Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment. Sponsored by Tech Help Boston. If you want to get someone's attention, just tell them a great story. If you want to inspire someone, share your success story. And that's what this show is all about. I believe that successful women think differently. And by the end of this podcast, I hope you'll agree. In the spotlight, a woman who heard the words, you have breast cancer, back in 1991. And then she decided to dig deep into the disease, only to find out that 93% of all breast cancer funding goes to treatment and cure, not prevention. With no history of breast cancer in her family, she began a 27-year quest with a focus on finding the cause, including our environment and the toxins we are exposed to each and every day. Who is this trailblazer? She's my friend, and her name is Ellie Ann Binder. This is her story. Ellie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Candy. I'm so excited to be here. Take me back to that day in 1991 when you were diagnosed with breast cancer. I had just had a mammogram, and then they said, you have some clusters that weren't there the year before, so let's just check them. And I went and I had a biopsy. They sent it off for a read right on the spot, and the doctor came back and literally looked me in the eye and said, you have breast cancer, and I said, that's ridiculous. I never thought about breast cancer. Why would I think about breast cancer? Nobody in my family ever had it. You know, just made the assumption that I was healthy and moving forward. And so you get this news. Tell us, what was your treatment plan like, and and how did your body tolerate it? I had very, very early stage breast cancer. Today, sometimes they call that precancer. I don't ever buy into that because, you know what, Candy, they have two words, benign and malignant. When they tell you the cells are malignant, it's cancer to me. Uh, The treatment was radiation. The doctor that initially diagnosed me suggested immediately that I should have a mastectomy. And I thought that was probably not the way I wanted to go. So I went to Boston to have another opinion. Happened to have been Dr. Susan Love, who was my doctor in Boston. So I had two biopsies within a month, and then I had two needle biopsies, and then I had a big operation and reconstruction and radiation. And So you make it through breast cancer treatment, and pretty much what I've been told by women whom I've interviewed, the doctor says, okay, now you're done, you know, go and live your life. Mm-hmm. And you could have done just that. But instead, you decided to devote every single day of the last 27 years to finding the cause of breast cancer. Why? I've been called precocious. That might be one reason. (laughs) I think because it didn't make sense to me. I really needed to know why. What are the statistics now? First of all, that 90% of us have no BRCA gene, no inherited family gene. That means we don't have any predisposition to this disease. So that means that only 10% carry the gene, which raises your possibilities of getting breast cancer. The statistics are that about 40,000 women a year and some men now are dying from breast cancer. And that's still one in eight. 
one in eight, but we have to put that one in eight against that statistic in 1945 was one in 24. So my compelling question is, if it's one in 24 45 years ago, and today it's one in eight, what happens 45 years from now? You quickly began looking at the environment, and you were a founding member of the Massachusetts Breast Cancer Coalition. Take me back to those early days of your work. Well, in the early days, we didn't have all the information we have now. That was just at the beginning of the breast cancer movement. Initially, I worked with the Mass Breast Cancer Coalition to advocate to the state to please declare breast cancer an epidemic, which the state of Massachusetts did. We're very fortunate to live in a very progressive state. And I spent about 10 years working, advocating, and there was one thing that sort of happened that I couldn't quite come to grips with, and that was that a lot of my friends were dying. We were curing them, or we were treating them, and they were dying. It was very, very overwhelmingly depressing. Did you ever feel dwarfed? by the giant breast cancer charities who are out there raising money for treatment and for cure? Always. To this minute. Tell me about Silent Spring, investigating the link between breast cancer and the environment, because you were really devoted to launching Silent Spring through the Massachusetts Breast Cancer Coalition. By the time Silent Spring was launched, I had started to pull back a little. We have been a funder to Silent Spring. They do amazing work but they do very long-range epidemiological studies. Epidemiological studies can go on for 30 years, and 30 years from now, there's a good chance I might not be here to see the results, and I want to see the results sooner. They do wonderful work. I have great respect for the work they do. When you and I first met, you had just co-founded a nonprofit called Art Because with a gallery owner named Joyce Krieger. Tell me about the mission of that organization at that time. It's exactly the same as what we are right now. The only thing we did was change our name. The, the mission was always to fund research looking at the environmental causes of breast cancer and to educate the public on prevention. So fast forward to 2017, you changed your name to find the cause. Tell us why. Art Because Breast Cancer Foundation, which was the name given to me by a very dear friend of mine who fought breast cancer for 20 years, was too hard to explain. People just didn't get it. There was a whole movement to change the name to find the cause, which in retrospect was really smart. So let's dive into the science because the science will speak is one of the taglines that Find the Cause Breast Cancer Foundation uses very successfully to explain what's happening. You fund the research into cause by giving seed money that scientists need to do their work. I've looked at some of these statistics, and 85,000 man-made chemicals are being used by industries around the world. And Ellie, your research shows less than 2,000 of these chemicals have even been tested for carcinogens. And Europe is tougher on them than the United States is. And Candy, you know how many have been banned in the United States? No, but I know you know this. Seven. Seven, which include DDT, PCP, TCE, which is trichloroethylene, perchloroethylene. I mean, things that are obviously poison. What about all the others? 
What have you learned about pesticides? Let's start with that. I want to be very careful here because I always refer to the scientists for anything scientifically appropriate. I often say that I'm not the scientist. I'm just the person who keeps banging the drum and saying, let's get this solved. Pesticides, DDT, well, it's been banned. So obviously there's a problem there. There are a lot of other problems too, plastic bags and cosmetics. In Europe, as you mentioned, cosmetics have to play to a much different standard than in America. There have been very creative, very appropriate ban on some ingredients in cosmetics in Europe. Backing up just a little bit, I think years and years and years went by where farmers were using pesticides and we were ingesting those pesticides. And you know what they say? Your body never forgets. And a lot of these things never leave your body. DDT is one of them. Phthalates. What are those? They're just another ingredient used in products. It's called Find the Cause Breast Cancer Foundation. Find them online very easily. One of the things that I've learned is that the furniture that you're sitting on, the rug that you're walking on, the food that you're eating, the makeup you're putting on your face, the deodorant you're putting under your arms, all of these things could be causing cancer. Well, they could be containing things that are not necessarily disclosed by companies. They could be containing things that mix with each other in the body, and that could be causing disease. We don't know yet. We're funding a research project at BU and at Tufts that is looking very, very carefully at what all of the environmental toxins are doing in our bodies and is there a way to prevent them from causing disease? Is there a way to block what they're doing to us? One of the things that I learned from working with you and your team has to do with Teflon. I've used Teflon pans in my house for a million years. But the coating on a Teflon pan could be transmitting toxic chemicals into the food that you're cooking and putting into your body. That's PFOA, is the coating that's used by DuPont in Teflon. If you remember last year, we had the most wonderful lawyer, Rob Bilot from Taft Law Firm in Cincinnati, who spent 16 years of his life trying to analyze what DuPont had dumped in the waters in West Virginia that caused animals and people to get disease and die. And that sounds an awful lot like the Erin Brockovich story. And you had featured Erin Brockovich at your breakfast last year. And she, of course, won the largest suit in the history of the United States of America against a chemical company that had been dumping chemicals in a water supply in Hinkley, California, hundreds of people affected by that. Chemicals also that can harm an unborn child. That's so scary. And that's because the chemicals transmit into the fetus. I want to be very vigilant here and be very careful because, again, I always refer to the scientists for that kind of a response. What I know is that there are 85,000 chemicals in our lives. Some of them are pretty unhealthy for us. And some of them are causing disease. It couldn't possibly be that we are getting more and more cancer, asthma, 
Food allergies. Food allergies and kinds of cancer that we never heard about before, esophageal cancer, blood disease. Something is altering our DNA, something. It has to be that it has to do with the chemicals. There's an incredible story regarding male breast cancer. 170 Marines at Camp Lejeune between 1950 and 1985 all got breast cancer. We have the privilege of meeting a lot of these Marines. The single largest cluster of breast cancer in men came out of Camp Lejeune, and we know that the water supply at Camp Lejeune was polluted. It had TCE, PCE, and benzene in the water supply. It went through the whole base. So it wasn't just males who got breast cancer. It was females who, and all kinds of other cancers and birth defects because of the water, which is, of course, what Aaron said. If we don't fix the water and we don't clean up our act, we're doomed for generations to come. And I just don't think that should be our legacy. You believe that the only way to cure breast cancer is to prevent it in the first place. Right now, we're putting a Band-Aid on it after the diagnosis. I want a world where the diagnosis stops. Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted TechHelpBoston.com since the year 2000. Dave Elmazian, president of TechHelpBoston, with the reasons why. We like to establish a relationship with our customers, and the best way to do that is see them in their natural setting, so to speak, and that's in their home. We come to you, we work with you on your equipment in a setting that's comfortable for you, and also we can test better that way, because if you have a printing problem or whatever, and we bring it to a shop, it may work great in the shop, but it might not work in your home. So this way we know for sure everything is working the way that it should. TechHelpBoston.com. Their experts will come to your home or office to fix your computer same day, next day, and weekends, too. Visit TechHelpBoston.com. That's TechHelpBoston.com. We interviewed a young woman named Jessica Leap on this program, and she is living with stage 4 metastatic breast cancer. She's got children at home. She was diagnosed at 37 years old. Jess told us that she ripped her house apart. She removed every toxin she could. She eats only organic. Ellie, I hear this more and more. Your own Drew Lindgren, who is your assistant executive director at Find the Cause, same thing. What do you say to these women? They're doing what they can, right? Well, that's the thing, Candy. I say to them, you are spectacular. You're doing everything you can based on what you know. We need to know the what. Right now, we're doing the how to fix, but you can't fix for the future. You have to know what is causing it. It's really simple, and it's really basic. And isn't it interesting, Ellie, that when the scientists are in the lab and they're learning all this information, sometimes in the search for finding the cause for breast cancer, they may find the cause for another kind of cancer. And wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that be spectacular? And that is happening. It's already happening. I mean, there are other things that come out of the science that are unexpected. Dr. Sher, who's the head of our consortium project, says that science is mysterious. He said, it's mysterious. You never know where the road is going to lead or someone's going to say something and you'll say, wait a minute. Let's go back and look at this one, and let's go and look at this. So we really feel so strongly that we're on the right path. I just want to pass along a couple of things to our listeners. The first has to do with pizza boxes 
popcorn oh. bags and the Teflon we already covered. Tell us about pizza boxes and the popcorn bag. There's a very slim coating of plastic inside the boxes. They get heated up, and it's microscopic, and it falls into the food. Now, as far as the popcorn, I once made a lot of speeches to a lot of different groups, and they used to call me the, oh, here she comes, the anti-popcorn lady. Microwave popcorn, by its very nature, is in a bag that has a lining of plastic right around the inside of the bag. And when you heat it up, the little pieces of plastic go into the popcorn. So you're not only eating delicious microwave popcorn, which I haven't had in my house for 20 years, but you're eating little micro pieces of plastic. I would also like to say, Candy, that Because this research is so crucial, anyone who's listening for your future generations, for your kids, your grandkids, your cousins, whoever you care about, your friends, we have to figure out what's causing this and other kinds of cancer too. Because unless we solve the problem, it will continue. Why are you doing this work? Why do you care so much? Because it needs to be done, and it seems so sensible to me that we should be doing it. Also, it's because it makes me furious. I also met Jessica. She came to our office, and all I wanted to do was put my arms around her and say, I'm sorry, you're 39 years old. You shouldn't be going through this. No, it's not right. You are a mom. You are also a grandmother. I am. What is mother love? It is taking care of your offspring, isn't it? And I think it's also about a safer world, leaving something behind that that made a difference. I really do think that's important. I, I didn't choose this. People always say, Ellie, why are you into breast cancer? I said, because they chose me. So there I was. What about all of my friends and all the people who didn't have that chance? Because... They didn't have a long life. I've been blessed. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? Mostly, I'm fortunate in my friends and in the people around me. I always try to surround myself with people who are considerably smarter than I am so I can take what they're telling me and put it into a package. If I had to describe you to someone, I think the first word that I would use is tenacity. (laughs) Where does your tenacity come from? I think I've always been that way. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not so good, but it is what it is. Stubbornness can get us in trouble sometimes, right? Stubbornness is not always good. And knowing that you have a sense that you're right about something, sometimes people get annoyed at you. What do you wish you knew when you first got started on this journey toward trying to find the cause of breast cancer? I wish I knew that it could have been less difficult to get that message out there. You know, it's like everything else, Candy. As you go along, every step is a step upward and you learn something. And if I had to do it again, I'd do it again because we didn't finish the work yet. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Maybe a piece of wisdom that you've learned along the way that you could pass on to our listeners today. I have an answer for that. One day I was having a very bad day. I asked a friend of mine, a young man, Brian, what do you do when things get really bad? And he said, Ellie, 
You look straight ahead and you keep moving. And so I do. You once told me that all you could think about when you heard the doctors say, Ellie, you have breast cancer, was your daughters, leaving them too soon, worrying about their future, their health. You've made a real impact in your work with this fund. Well, thank you. How does it feel? It feels amazing, except we're not done. I'm not unrealistic. I don't expect miracles. I expect little steps that are going to get us to where we have to go. Is that what success would mean to you? Success would be if I could live another 50 years so I could really see the end. Although Dr. Shear tells me that within 10 years, they should be able to prevent. I'm holding on to that. Wouldn't that be cool? And I probably could be here another 10 years at least. That's a success story, huh? I hope so. I want to say thank you so much for being my guest this week on the story behind her success, Ellie Ann Binder. And if you want to know more about her organization, findthecausebreastcancerfoundation.org. Here it is, findthecausebcf.org. And on Facebook, facebook.com backslash findthecausebcf. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kimmy. Thanks for listening to The Story Behind Her Success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. If you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, she'd love to hear about it. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?